Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Well, the crazy carbon tax minister has done it again. This time, he's saying that the federal government is not going to support any new road construction. What's prompted? Ontario Premier Doug Ford on air with John Oakley at our Toronto AM640 Global News radio station to say words to the effect of who's, who's the prime minister? Is it Gilbo or is it, uh, is it Trudeau? I sometimes wonder myself because Gilbo says things and nobody seems to say anything about it. He just shoots his mouth off. And walking around with a little bicycle helmet. It's kind of, it's kind of cool. Some people have a rabbit's foot. Too bad for the rabbit. And some people have a bicycle helmet. What do you have, Tom Korski? What do you walk around with? I, I follow the science. <laughs> I'm not superstitious <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> oh, my goodness. How are you? I'm well. Thank you, Roy. Tom Korski, editor of Blacklock's Reporter at Minding Ottawa. And what a week it's been in Ottawa. Why don't we start with, uh, with Gilbo and his... There'll be no, this is really particularly interesting to me for a liberal cabinet minister, even if it's 30 years or 20 years after ad scam, to say there'll be no more envelopes. I thought, what the hell is going on here? A liberal cabinet minister, Tom, saying no more envelopes with money in them. I thought, I thought, yeah. that, I thought that that went away with Chrétien. Yes, uh, Steve Gibo, um, you know, the transport committee has called him up. There was a conservative MP, Mark Stroll from BC. And he had a motion, get Gibo down here. We have a lot of questions about his road announcement, which he then attempted to walk back. And various cabinet officers have said, no, no, there's no change in policy. Of course, we love roads. No one's going to stop taking care of the roads. But there was an MP, a block MP from Quebec, who made, I thought, a very interesting point. And he said, you know, um, uh, Gibo's words speak for themselves. And you can't do that when you're a cabinet minister in a G7 country. Everyone knows uh, Steve likes to bike in downtown Montreal. But for the 99.9% of Canadians who don't have that lifestyle, when you go to a conference, a luncheon in Montreal with the public transit advocates, you don't get to sort of make it up as you go along on account of you represent all the people all the time. And um, the... They are going to get Kibo down. It is minimum hour of cross-examination. I don't think he's going to enjoy himself, Roy. I doubt it. But, you know, he's, he's a pretty combative guy uh, when he gets going, and who knows what's going to come out of his mouth if he gets riled up. There may be other cabinet ministers who are covering for him before the end of the day. Who knows what he's going to say? Uh, yeah, it's my two cents, Roy. I, I, I don't want to be cruel. Or dismissive. I think Gibo is operating beyond his capacity and has for quite some time. I think he would be an excellent Montreal councillor. I think that's his comfort zone. And he could, you could go to meetings. He can you talk about why can't we have more parks and bicycle lanes. I don't think uh, Gibo has really, certainly as heritage minister, even before he became environment minister, he didn't have a lot of wins. This guy has some <laughs> explaining to do, not just on roads. But they've engaged in a very expensive program. They haven't costed it out. They haven't lowered emissions. 
We're going into year nine, Roy, on the climate program. Nine years. Billions of dollars have been spent. And it appears to be a futile exercise in irritating people. That's where they are. Yeah. Last weekend, uh, we talked to our good friend, Professor Sylvain Charlebois from Dalhousie University, who Gilbo with Professor. enthusiasm totally misquoted in Parliament. And I played the clip for Sylvain and asked him if Gilbo had called to apologize. Surprise, surprise. Not at that point, he hadn't. So it just continues. Look, let's let's have a go at uh, at uh, ad scam or whatever it was called. Uh, I'm starting to say ad scam all the time. Or name arrive scam. I've got I've got all of these scams on my mind. I've been saying uh, ad arrive scam instead of arrive can. But we've talked about this a great deal over the last couple of weeks, including yesterday, Tom. But here we are. And uh, you on uh, Blackhawks Reporter, you quoted two former managers uh, of the ArriveCan program, and all the fingers point at all 32 compass points, don't they? It's a bad one, Roy, and it's headed in, in the wrong direction for Cab. And it, uh, it, bizarrely, forgive my uh, two cents, there have been uh, members of government caucus who have tried to get in the way of multiple investigations going on now. We have to say there is no evidence there was any cabinet direction in steering millions in sweetheart contracts to favored insider contractors who really did become millionaires off this deal. The two managers you mentioned who were responsible for overseeing the program at the Canada Border Services Agency found it was such an amazing success. They have both been suspended without pay, and they are in court against their former employers, federal court. So not a success. A lot of money was been, has been spent. There's been no real explanation except obvious inference that there were shenanigans. It's impossible, even in government Canada, in Ottawa, to throw away $60 million without any paperwork. The implication was that certain, this is not frontline customs officers, this is upper management, someone rifled the filing cabinet to get rid of the documents. Well, there's only one reason you do that when the investigators are knocking on the door. This is a bad one, Roy. And uh, there is, I can tell you, absolute determination by all opposition parties to get to the bottom of it. I think they will. And why any government caucus member would want to be clever or ironic or try to filibuster investigations is beyond me. Because this thing is just a dumpster fire. It's a disaster. It is. Complete disaster. So back to Gilbo, if we can, at least thematically... He's been selling the uh, the climate issue, or trying to, to Canadians and infuriating premiers along the way. But you have a majority of Canadians confused and anxious, you're right, on Blackslog's reporter about climate change, while 20% are uninterested. Those are not good numbers. They're not. And you know what's interesting is this is what the climate program has become for them. Privy Council Office, that's at the very top of the federal bureaucracy. We had to get this through access to information. It was like pulling teeth, so help me. They commission what they call behavioral science. You say, what? they're doing what? Like you would think they're, they're just running the passport office would run them at, at 60 miles an hour. No, they're commissioning behavioral science research into climate change. And they want to know what people think about climate change, not based on your age or where you live, your gender, your ethnicity, but based on your outlook. 
and I'm not, so help me, this is on the level. I'm quoting them. We identify five segments of Canadians representing five unique ways that Canadians respond to climate change. What did they find? I'm confused, less anxious, worried about climate change, say 37%. I'm highly anxious, willing to make change. I'm the most committed, say 25%. I'm ambivalent, say 18%. I'm completely indifferent, say 13%. 7% say, to hell with you. I'm unconcerned with climate change. I will go to the wall to resist any climate change programs. Why does this profit the government of Canada that can't lower emissions, right? How does this help them in their multi-billion dollar scheme to remake an entire industrial economy? Yeah. I don't know. Don't spend it. But they attach value to this gibberish. No wonder Steve Gibo fantasizes about getting rid of roads. This This is where their head is. Yeah, don't spend money to prove yourself wrong. It's not, it's not, it's not good policy. It's not sound thinking. It doesn't generally work out very well. If I've got a hundred bucks, I'm not going to spend it to, uh, to, to help you, Tom Corsby, prove that I'm wrong. I'm going to spend it in some ways to prove that I'm right when I'm not. So we're talking about money. So federal payroll costs. It a record $67 billion. And my mind said, well, I can't tell you what my mind said. It was not polite. And then I thought, was that $67 million? And uh, tell us what you found out. A lot of money. That's the budget officer going through a budget document called uh, supplementary estimates. And, and those are just routine documents where cabinet wants to top up various funds. And Budget Officer Giroud did the arithmetic, and he came up with a figure of $67.4 billion in payroll for the government of Canada. That's uh, salary and benefits. Well, how many public employees are there who work for the government of Canada? And he's counted 428,000. When the current government took power, there was 340,000. That's an increase of about 70,000. The expenses are going up about 9% a year. Well, this is a lot of numbers. What does it mean? Uh, last year, Budget Officer Giroux testified in Senate National Finance Committee, and forgive me, Roy, it was rather blood-curdling testimony. He said, this is a system that's broken. I'm quoting him, quote, unquote. This is a system that's broken. What did he mean? He said, they're spending money left and right, but where do you see the results? He commented famously on the passport office. Why do I give a damn how much they're spending on the payroll office, how much they've increased the payroll, if I can't get a passport? Where is the results that people need the programs and the services they pay for? He described it as a system that's broken and that can only end badly. Uh, Roy, uh, you're a young man. You won't recall in 1995, Finance Minister Paul Martin uh, encountered similar budget deficits, recurring deficits, and he fired 45,000 federal employees. Of all people, the Public Service Alliance, the largest public service union, is keenly aware of these costs. You just don't hear it from cabinet. They won't balance a budget. They won't stop spending. And they're going to do it all over again next month when they have another budget. Mr. Martin sat right across from me at this very table having that discussion. Tom? And then we had another one about the GST, but that's a story for another day. But he did, he, he, and he was very direct. 
Well, when we spoke earlier today with uh, Mr. Giroux, he's a, he's a great friend of this program's, and I asked him about this, and he went through it in a matter-of-fact kind of way. And at the end, I said to him, is there anything that causes you to lose sleep at night? And he got around to saying, one of the things that he's concerned about is the amount of money that we pay for the lack of service that we receive. Not exactly his words, but close enough. And that is what I think all of us find when we get into, uh, into dealing with the federal government, or try to. And here we are spending $67 billion on pay and, uh, and benefits, like pensions. We made a wrong decision somewhere <laughs> along the line, Tom. Hey, do you know the irony, Roy? Yeah. They've increased spending on consultants at the same time. Oh, they will spend another not? 14 to $16 billion a year on consultants like the geniuses who came up with ArriveCan <laughs> at, uh, at $60 million, a program that, that, by the government's own estimate, cost at least no more than one-tenth of that figure. Someone's doing okay. Someone's and doing someone's okay. have to pay. You know, I actually went on their, on their uh, was it GC Strategies? I went on their That's website. Right. And it's quite an impressive website. <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful it website. really is quite <laughs> impressive. It's like, wow, these guys know what they're doing. <laughs> oh, yes. And how. <laughs> and how. And, you know, they really did know what they were doing. And they knew who they were doing it to. Karski and Green and the rest of us. Anyway, what about Mr. Fraser? What's up with Sean Fraser? Sean Fraser is uh, running for something. You say, wait a minute, he's already MP for Central Nova Nova Scotia and Minister of Housing. Well, there is no leadership contest declared. The Prime Minister said he's here for, for the long haul, year nine. But Sean Fraser, of all places, decided to have a fundraiser for the Central Nova Liberal Association <laughs> at the Petroleum Club in Calgary. And who attended? Well, there was a former mayor of Calgary, Al Dewar, former liberal MP from Calgary. Kent Hare was uh, Minister of Veterans Affairs for one term. And there were uh, other prominent VIPs, <laughs> Calgary liberal VIPs, <laughs> paid $500 a head to raise money for Sean Fraser's Riding Association, which is 4,800 kilometers away. Now, we asked uh, Minister Fraser, what's up with that? No comment. He was asked earlier by reporters, you're running for the leadership, aren't you? No comment. So he's clearly keenly interested all of a sudden in raising funds in, in Calgary. What did one of his fundraisers say, by the way? This was uh, former MP Hare said in a very spirited LinkedIn post, the party's dead on arrival. Polyev is uh, smart and engaging. And we, there has to be something done because people are saying, what have you done for me lately? It was not an endorsement of the current <laughs> cabinet. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so, yeah. Something's going on there. <laughs> Something's going on. <laughs> That's a country song just waiting to be written. Something's going on. Maybe it has been written already and recorded. Who knows? Okay. One more story here, Tom. Please tell us about how many Canadians are facing energy poverty. Huge issue. Uh, this is stark. Uh, Peer-reviewed research by, uh, led by a McGill professor, they find up to 19% of Canadians, this is almost unbelievable, this is it just upset you, up to 19% of Canadians are facing energy poverty. They define that as when you are paying a disproportionate amount of your monthly income for home heating. They say in this peer-reviewed paper in the Canadian Journal of Public Health, 
that obviously in Canada, I'm quoting, home heating during the winter months is a matter of life and death. And what did they find? They have found instances where there are Canadians who are keeping the temperature so low it's below freezing. So you're wearing the parka inside the house because you can't afford energy in a land that is rich in energy. It is beyond ironic. It's almost infuriating. But I guess Steve Gibo would say, you know, you can warm up by getting on your bicycle. Roy, this is stark for a lot of people. Everyone can see their natural gas bills. They know what's going on. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. Thank you.